Wow. It's episode one of season three. I don't even know what to say. What insanity and instability we have been through this year. Am I right? I'm probably about the 9,000th person to say this, but just when you think things in 2020 can't be any more absurd or stressful or unreasonable, they ratchet up even more. But I do know one thing for sure. I've made it this far, and if you're listening to this, you have too. You will never hear me give you false positivity, or if I do, I give you permission to call me out on it. So when I say we are getting through this together, I mean it. And it's bumpy, messy, and we are making mistakes along the way. We're sometimes too overwhelmed to do anything or get manic and do too much. No matter what, our successes and failures and everything in between, we are getting through it. And hopefully we can offer each other some encouragement and support along the way. In this season, I'm going to keep on doing what I love to do, talk to really interesting people about life and music education with a frequent focus on all things first steps in music and conversational solfege. But as you know, I am listening or trying to listen and learning and growing in my own anti-racist work. So we're going to be talking about that too along the way. I hope if you hear that and feel like, oh brother, I don't want to learn about that, that you will be patient and keep listening And maybe I can convince you that it's something worth thinking about. And I also hope for those of you who are like me on the journey that we'll walk through this together and learn. And for those of you who have been doing anti-racist work for a long time, I hope you will write in and give me your thoughts about how I can grow and learn in this process. And in the spirit of... I have promised myself to not unnecessarily add stress. I'm allowing myself to do whatever I feel like doing at the start and end of each episode. How's that for self-care? I may answer questions that you guys say in. Maybe I'll talk about what's going on for me professionally. And let's be honest, probably personally too, because of course I'm a serial oversharer. Or if I want to tell you about a resource I found or a funny story, then I'll do it. And if not, I won't. And to start, I thought I'd give those of you who are curious, and I suppose even those who aren't, an overview of my current teaching situation, because I know more than ever, we are all in such different spots right now, although they're all difficult. (laughs) So hearing someone in a similar situation is always a good thing. And I'll be asking each of my guests to do this as well, so that eventually you are going to hear somebody who is in a similar situation to you. For me, in my district, we are in a hybrid model, uh, which means that students are coming in two days a week, having one day of live virtual instruction, and then two days of some live and some asynchronous instruction. So for example, if you are a fourth grader in what we call the A cohort, you are coming in to school on Monday and Tuesday in person. On Wednesday, you will be online with the B cohort and have instruction like that all day. And on Thursday and Friday, you will have some live instruction with your teacher and some asynchronous instruction. So for that A cohort student, for example, they're going to have music with me for 50 minutes on Monday and 50 minutes on Tuesday. On Wednesday, I will be teaching Spanish That's right, you heard me correctly, Spanish, for 30 minutes. 
And then on Thursday and Friday, you will have asynchronous lessons that I have recorded for you to do. And of course, the B cohort is the same, just on opposite days. Um, I am on a cart going into the classrooms that are in person. And then I am thankful to say I can teach from my room on the days that I teach virtually and for the classes that I teach virtually. I did try to request to teach from my classroom the whole time, but was rejected. And so, so far, everything is going smoothly. I do have a very boss cart that I love. So <laughs> that's a good thing. Teaching in a mask super sucks. Uh, that's the scientific phrase for it. I don't like it at all. I do have a mask that I love. And when I say love, I mean do not hate as much as all other masks. So that makes it easier. And I also teach with a shield around my eyes. And I also have a microphone that I wear that the district gave to me. Over the course of the season, I will talk more about things that I'm doing. But I do want to say something that will not surprise you if you have been listening to this podcast for any amount of time. I am trying to deliver the best instruction that I can without going overboard. This is my approach, and I'm not perfect at it, but it is imperative that I try to take care of myself as I try to deliver instruction. And my motto this year is, I'm here to show these kids that I truly care about them and that they are important and I'm going to try to make music something that they enjoy. I'm taking the pressure off of myself when I start to worry about losing time. And instead, I'm trying to think of what things I can do to make their life more normal and better while not making my life insane. So that's a little bit about what I'm doing. Now let's talk about our guest today. Chris Ann Powers has been teaching, as I have, since 1995. In 1998, she joined the music department in Greenwich, Connecticut, where she teaches K-5 general music, band, and chorus at one of my favorite named schools, Coscob Schools. Chris's Bachelor of Music is from the Hart School at the University of Hartford, where she first studied with John Feyerabend and where she also earned her Kodai Certificate. She completed a master's degree in education from Sacred Heart University in 2002. The Greenwich Public Schools, where Chris teaches, has adopted First Steps in Music and Conversational Solvage as the basis of their new core music curriculum for pre-K through fifth grade. If you didn't get a chance to hear the season three preview episode, listen for the spot in my interview with Chris where we tell you the super secret code for a free book giveaway of Karen Howard's First Steps in Global Music. After the interview, I'll tell you what to do next once you have the code. But for now, let's get to the interview with Chris. So I want to say welcome to former two-term vice president of fame and dual endorsed fame teacher trainer the peanut butter to my jelly and my <laughs> dear friend chris ann powers chris well, welcome thank you i'm very excited to be here chris as i told you uh before we dig into 
kind of the main topic of the episode, I'm going to inaugurate something here uh, that I want to try to do throughout the season with every guest. And it's something I'm calling, how the heck is that COVID teaching going for you? <laughs> I just made that up. Um, so I have some questions for you. Sure. And it will be interesting across the season to hear uh, the different responses to this and the things that are the same. So if you don't mind, what is your current teaching situation? And like, if you were, if you started the school year in one way and changed, or if you've just been doing the same thing, let us know what you're doing. Okay. Well, I am really fortunate because I was approved to be a remote teacher this year. Uh, it was unclear when I was given that assignment, whether I would be teaching students across our entire district that were going remote or if I would be teaching my students at Cobb, And I was so lucky that uh, I was granted permission to be teaching at Cobb. I get to Zoom in for every music class. And my awesome. dear colleague, uh, Megan DeBona, is in the classroom. So she's normally our orchestra teacher. But since oh, we're currently okay. not having orchestra, uh, stay tuned for more details on that. Um, <laughs> she is kind of like my proxy in the room, my oh, co-teacher cool. in the room. So I'm zooming in and she's uh, basically making sure that everything in the lesson that I'm teaching uh, is playing out and that the students are doing what they need to be doing. And if they have questions, they can either ask her or myself. So it's been working out really, really well. When we started out the school year, there was zero singing, um, but we've just started uh, reintroducing singing uh, very minimally, uh, doing echo songs, uh, some finger plays, some action songs. The kids are masked. Like kids are masked, and they all have these sneeze guards uh, at their desks. Oh, really? Yeah. So. Oh, okay. So, like, sitting on the desk. Yeah. So, it's this, like, clear okay. uh, film that – it's, like yeah. – Picture like a, a trifold poster board that's clear. Right. Or like when they have, they're taking a test and they have those partitions on the yes, desk. Yes, exactly. Yeah. So if they're singing, their masks are on and they're behind their sneeze guard. Um, but okay. that's just started. And something that's really interesting is that I don't see K through five right now. I'm only seeing pods. So we're seeing grades one, three, and five three times a week for 40 minutes for eight weeks. Right. And then after those eight weeks, uh, I will see K to four, three times a week for 40 minutes for eight weeks. So. Okay. And so are the, are the kids in school every day? Kids are K through eight in our district, 11 elementary schools, three middle schools are in five days a week. Okay. If and students wanted to opt <laughs> if students wanted to opt for remote, they, they could, you know, sure. choose that. And there are remote teachers that teach uh, those students. Um, right. But I would say out of our... Are you teaching our, from home? I'm teaching Sorry. from home. Yeah. Okay. I'm, this is my I'm setup not at all right here. I'm jealous. <laughs> wow, it's like I'm one of your students because I can see you right now. <laughs> I see you. Uh, Jed calls my setup it. here mega desk. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I have mega desk too. It's just mega mess of a desk. <laughs> Yours looks very streamlined. Well, um, thank you. What are the biggest challenges 
of what you're doing right now. So for you, remote teaching, you know, from home and not being in that room. You know, it's that connection, you know, just interacting with the kids, talking about like, hey, did you watch that uh, Red Sox game or did you watch the Buccaneers? Because that's where my boyfriend Tom Brady is playing now. Um, (laughs) It's just having those little conversations in the hallway that I just don't have anymore. I miss that. And I can't jump in and fix things. If something's going wrong, I have to rely on others to help me. And I'm not used to that. So that's... That's different. And I, and I think the, the other thing that's really challenging is that I feel like it's my first year teaching. Yes, I think many of us are feeling that. Yeah, because all of these tied and true activities that I always did, just I can't do them. They're circle games. They're folk dances. They're hand clapping yeah. games. I can't do those anymore. So it's just looking at things differently. Yeah, sure. What, if anything, are you doing to kind of forward the first steps and or conversational solfege programs with your kids? Are you kind of like, just let it go, doing a little bit, doing it full steam ahead? You know, we're really fortunate that we have a really great music department and many of my colleagues uh, got together this summer as a part of our curriculum institute and they came up with modified first steps and CS units. And to be honest with you, we have watered down a lot because what we're doing is a lot of remediation right now. So, for example, in second grade, in a typical year, our students would have gotten through unit one, would have started unit two, would have gotten through the ear steps of unit four. To be honest with you, as third graders right now, we're reviewing all of that. We're reviewing just unit one and unit four, and we're keeping it simple. Because that's good. Yeah, we want to make sure that they have a really solid, you know, foundation so that we can build upon that. And it's hard because some of your students are remote. So they're, you know, even though they're getting, uh, uh, they're getting, what is it called? Asynchronous learning, right? When, right. I always get those confused. Yeah, asynchronous, meaning you're, they're not like with you live. Exactly. They're doing something on their own. Yeah, so our remote students are receiving asynchronous lessons, whereas our face-to-face students are getting the live teaching. So it's... Oh, you mean you're not seeing the virtual kids at all? No. I mean, in a live... Not in a live setting. Hmm. Yeah, so we have two teachers, three teachers actually in our district that are dedicated just to doing uh, asynchronous lessons for all of the remote students. For music? Yes. Wow. You guys have it together there in Costco. I mean, at least you're like all on the same page, relatively speaking, I'm sure. You know, there's kinks, of course. Sure. And sure. There's, oh, there's questions every day. Am I doing this right? Is this what's going right. on? Am I in the right cycle right. right now? Yes, but, exactly. You know, we, we, I have great colleagues and a great supervisor, and they're just figuring things out. <laughs> all right. This is, I think these two questions are kind of the same. So I think I'm going to ask this one because it's basically saying, you know, what encouragement do you have? But I love this idea. What if the just before summer 2020 started, Chris, uh, had the opportunity to speak to the just before the current school year, Chris? You know, what things might you have said? Because I know that for me, when I was getting to the end of the previous school year, which was, you know, like 
kind of a band-aid approach to teaching and we're all virtual and it was you know the just back in the old days when the quarantine was new and you know fresh in our minds I remember thinking I wonder if we're gonna have to wear a mask next year like I barely I just wanted to get to summer I I barely wanted to think about the next year and I just kind of closed my eyes and prayed that like some miracle would happen and somehow it would just magically be back to normal but now when I think about it, I wish I could have said some things to myself back then, you know, in preparation. What kind of things might you say to that that younger, happier Chris? <laughs> Retire. No. Yes, exactly. I'm kidding. Listen, I, I thought about it. I thought about it. I joke, Trust people. Me. Joke. Um, no, I, I gave this some thought, and I, I think two things. Make sure that you really lean on your friends, your colleagues for advice, help, tech support, sharing resources, sharing a good laugh, sharing a good cry, making sure you have that circle of friends around you to help lift you up on those really, really bad days. And I have to tell you, I'm really blessed to have those friends, not only in my district, but outside of my district, all my fame friends, right? Yeah. My fame BFF right here. Right. Mm -hmm. So definitely leaning on your friends, your colleagues. But then I think I would also say, hey, girl, pick one or two digital platforms and learn them inside and out. Become an expert. Boy, that's good advice. Yeah, because I tell you, and, and don't get overwhelmed by like, I have to have the cutest Bitmoji classroom and I have to have the right. newest, flashiest thing that dances across the screen. No, right. get really oh, gosh, good no. at one or two things and have your students get really good at those one or two digital platforms. And then you're going to, and then you can build from there, but don't mm -hmm. overwhelm yourself. No, that's fantastic advice. Well, where were you? Before this year started, Chris, <laughs> I could have used that advice. I was digging um, myself out of a hole. <laughs> exactly. File that away for the next global pandemic. Exactly. Um, just kidding. Well, I appreciate you answering those questions. I think it's important um, for us all to kind of hear each other's experiences, right, and gain perspectives uh, that are different than ours and some that are the same so we can support and encourage each other uh, or at least we could say like I know what you're going through more than other people do <laughs> the music teachers you know um, every teacher I think that's one interesting thing about all this is I feel like a stronger kinship with all teachers right now because I just know I have not seen a teacher I've seen a lot of people who are very positive and that's their nature you know to be like we're going to do this. This is going to be great. But pretty much every teacher I know is like, yeah, I'm dying. <laughs> you know, yeah. they're, they're very honest about the struggle. And I think that's important to be honest. You, you don't have to be like me and dwell on it and complain about it all the time, but it's important to be, you know, open with the struggles or else you're going to start looking around and comparing yourself to other people and so I think right now is a very healthy time for us to say, yeah, this is hard. And here's what I'm trying to do to make it work well. And here's what's not working so well. Um, but 
let's move past that. Let's get I'll to tell you why though, I asked you. Oh, whoops, go ahead. Honestly, though, there are some positives that have yeah, really sure. come out of this. Like, I'll be honest with you, Seesaw. Last yeah. March, when my girlfriend Robin said, hey, you should try using this. I was at system overload and I couldn't handle learning another right. saturation. Th- yes, totally saturated. And I took some time. She gave me some tutorials and that's what I, what I talked about leaning in on your friends and asking for advice and asking for help. Yeah. Sat there just like what we're doing right now in a zoom. She showed me the basics and I was like, okay, this isn't so scary. Now, if I want to have students sing a solo for me, I say, let's practice classic key. Okay, now that we've practiced that a few times, go into Seesaw and record yourself. Ten minutes. Where it would have yeah, taken me fantastic. four or five classes to only hear four or five kids. Right, now, now you can hear just, everybody. I can hear everybody, and it's done, and it's That's done great. in ten minutes. And it's an archive, too, so that they can go back in a few years and, and hear their mm. growth, which is really interesting. So there are some positives that I will take forward with me, even when, God willing, this pandemic is over and we get back to <laughs> right. some sense of normalcy, right? Right, right, right. No, that's that's a an excellent point and i think it's like i was thinking for me google meets google classroom i did nothing with those before barely anything and it's so funny the other day i just thought i'm certainly not an expert but it's like now it's just an everyday thing you know so so now i'm walking out with at least a foundational understanding of um what these things can do. And I actually voluntarily took um, a Jamboard webinar, which is unusual for me (laughs) because it's tech, but I just thought now I'm ready to kind of add some of the little frills that before I would never even have looked at. It's just like, let me use the most basic (laughs) functionality of the Google suite. So uh, that is a really good thing. Um, It's like forcing us into the 21st century teaching technology that those pesky younger teachers are so good at. <laughs> and I'll be so honest anyway. with you, for so many years, I, I pushed away from it because I yeah. was like, I just want to have that authentic live experience with my students. But guess what? Sure. We can't now. We cannot. Right. So this is a great yeah. alternative. Would I yeah, use it full time when we get back to normal? No way. I would pepper it in. Yeah. But for sure... I mean, listen, if you can teach this old dog new tricks, <laughs> this dog won't eat any socks, but at right. least I can learn. Like some dogs we yes. know. Yeah, exactly. But at least I would be able to have some new things in my arsenal, you know, of yeah. ways to capture solo opportunities, especially for the kids who are a little bit more shy. This is a great opportunity for them. Yeah, that's been them. a big thing. Yeah, the introverts feeling um, more empowered. Um, and less inhibited and I've been really surprised by some of those kids you know like literally like I didn't know you had that in you and so yeah you're just making me so positive Chris I'm just feeling like so positive don't worry it'll 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 go away soon (laughs) um anything else that you want to share about the current situation I want it to be over as soon as possible (laughs) but other than that other than that, I just hope everybody has a good school year and that we can 
or has muster a enough, year. Muster up enough courage <laughs> to get through it. Yes, absolutely. Well, let's, uh, in that spirit, I should say, we're going to be talking about some things, uh, and I'll call it like this. This is like when we get back to normal time. So, you know, we're not speaking as experts in, you know, how to COVID teaching time eyes what we're about to talk about. We're going to we're going to kind of go backwards in time and just talk some good old fashioned fire robin uh, stuff. So you've been on previous episodes of the podcast, uh, specifically for people who haven't heard it yet or need to hear it again. Uh, season one, episode seven. And then we have an episode 7A, which is for fame members only, that you can get on the fireabandmusic.org website. Uh, I hope you check those out. Those are really good because in those episodes, you were kind enough to talk to us, talk us through this unique approach that your district has uh, with Dr. Fireabend's conversational soulfish program. Um, it's one in which you are simultaneously teaching both rhythmic and tonal units of conversational soulfish. And you have been so patient with me uh, over the years because I think I, like many other people, originally had this idea um, that you were like zooming through, you know, like somehow you got from, you know, unit one to unit 10 in a year, <laughs> two years or something. Um, but what you guys are doing is it's really wonderful. And this is a true story. Every year for at least four years, I have talked to you about this, listened to you talk about it, and every year I would say, okay, you know, I'm going to do it. This, I'm going to just start it, do this approach uh, that Chris does. And just before I had my voice surgery, which is pre-COVID, um, I was like, okay, I'm planning now to do it. 2020, 2021, here we come. I'm going to start doing it the way Chris does it with conversational soulfish and then womp womp came COVID and we got 2020. But anyway, <laughs> that's just a little aside. But if you don't mind, could you summarize what this approach is and how you guys make it work so beautifully? And, and for those who really want to dig in, head over to that season one, episode seven to hear Chris really talk about what they do. But if you could just summarize that. Of course. And you know what, really, it's it's not very different from what Dr. Feyerabend teaches, because at the right. beginning of every unit in the, the purple book, the, the book one, uh, there's like a little summary before every unit. And at the bottom of every rhythmic unit, it says, and don't forget to teach tonal patterns and songs yeah. to prep for when you get to unit four. And that's basically all we're doing. While we're teaching rhythmic units, we are teaching the ear steps of unit four. So for example, if I'm teaching second grade, now keep in mind, kindergarten and first grade is all readiness. It's, it's basically following the green book, right? Doing all of the right. eight steps of the first steps in music workout. And okay. Then once the kids are ready and we've tested their readiness to make sure that they're um, prepared to take on literacy, that their clay pots are big enough to hold all of the information, uh, we start to teach rhythmic units and tonal units. So for example, in second okay. grade, we would teach 
all of unit one and part of unit two. So that unit okay. one is the do do day, right? And unit two is the do do daddy. But while we're teaching that, we're teaching all of the ear familiar steps for unit four. And so we're singing songs, we're playing games, we're echoing patterns, we're decoding familiar patterns, we're doing the A, the C, the D patterns. Just okay. basically building a repertoire of sounds, a library of sounds for the students to you know, fall back on so that when we do get to, and this is what it looks like, or this is how we decode something that's unfamiliar, it goes by so quickly. Right. So, so that's it in a nutshell. And if the, yeah, the so way we really prepared that soil. Yeah, exactly. And if you if you think about how we do lesson planning, I, I shared this with a colleague re recently. It's it's like looking at a hamburger. The buns are fun. So the outsides of the lesson, the beginning of the lesson and the end of the lesson is you do something fun, something that makes the kids excited to come to class and sad to leave your class. And then yeah, the meat. That. The meat is your literacy, right? That's where you're doing your tonal and your rhythmic literacy building. Right, from conversational soul food. Right. And I think that why it works so beautifully, it's like, it's just like a, it's not even like a tweak. It's almost like um, the most efficient way to run the engine of conversational soulfish. Like that's, that's what I was saying before, you know, for a long time when I would hear this, I would just think like, it's some kind of magic. Like somehow you're doing these units and you know, you're doing them the exact same steps at the exact same time, but just, you know, for units one and four, and then you're doing whatever. But really what it is, is just this beautiful tweaking of, uh, of it so that it's operating at its maximum. If that, makes sense absolutely and, and we're spending so an entire year on just yep. ear steps familiar yep. ear steps all of second grade is unit yep. four which is me right do echoing decoding familiar and singing a ton of songs and playing a ton of games and so yep. when we get to third grade and we say now try to decode something we've never heard before boom it's easy. Yeah, they're so primed for it. And you know, um, I'm sure you get the same questions, you know, whether I'm doing a teacher training or online. Um, I just hear all the time or see all the time, my kids are not decoding well. My kids are not, you know, and I always say the same thing, which is the hardest thing to say. And that is, it is possible you have moved too quickly um, and your kids are just not musically developmentally ready for what you're doing. And they're telling you that because if they cannot decode something unfamiliar, there's a, there's a fundamental problem, um, in their music processing. It's, it just can't be that an entire grade level is not able to decode. And it's just some mistake in the approach. It's that you most likely pushed forward too quickly. And so you guys are taking like the requisite time and really investing in that, like what I call when I'm teaching soil preparation, you know, you can plant seeds when it warms up. But what happens a lot of times is you plant seeds in, you know, late April because it's, you know, getting warmer. And then you do get a crop fast, but that crop is not good. 
Um, instead, if you take time to till the soil and, and add things to it and really work with it and plant in late May or June, by the way, I'm making these times up because I don't know anything about planting stuff, so, uh, you, <laughs> you are going to have a later crop in some ways, but a more rich crop. And so I think the more I think about what you guys do there, you are, as I said, maximizing the process. So uh, as we are saying, you know, something that's highlighted in this is preparation, preparing. You know, you've, you've done workshops on this and podcast episodes, prepping kids in the first step years for conversational soulfish. Now we're all doing that broadly. We should be as fire oven minded teacher, right? As we're guiding students to become tuneful, beautiful, and artful in the first steps, right? So everybody should be doing. But you guys were really purposeful, or are, in the planning part of first steps. And before we talk about this next thing, you hold the key, Chris Powers, to the super secret phrase for those who are vying for a free copy provided by my good friends at GIA Publications of Karen Howard's new book, First Steps in Global Music. And we have a very secret phrase that some of you have waited, <laughs> listening to us yak on and on. And you're like, just give me that secret code so I can... Put it in my memory and email it to Missy at tunefulbeefulartfulpodcast at gmail.com so that I can be in the drawing to get this book. What is that super secret phrase? Hmm. Oh, my goodness. When you texted this to me, I almost passed out because it was so funny. <laughs> the super secret phrase is, Fenny, don't eat the sock. <laughs> now, would you please give us a little bit of background because... We can't have that as an inside joke. I want everybody to teach you about this. Oh, good Lord. Well, we have a dog, a golden doodle, who is really part mountain goat named yes, and part pony. <laughs> he's, he's part <laughs> pony, part mountain goat. He's your own little Sebastian. Little Sebastian. That really should have been his name. Well, his name is Fenway Benintendi Powers. That's a mouthful. And there should be Socks Anonymous because he is a sock eater. He is also an eater of aluminum foil and baseball. Ew. And fun fact, Ugh. football sweatbands. So hey. the super secret phrase, don't forget, is Fenny, don't eat the sock because that's what I yell pretty much every day of my life. <laughs> and we have Lego, the golden doodle, who has never once eaten something he wasn't supposed to eat. He is the dumbest of all the golden doodles, my little Lego, but he is the sweetest. Then he is just smart. You know how like parents say this about their kids? The reason why he's so disruptive is because he's so intelligent. So that's what I'm saying. <laughs> he's not intelligent. He's the dumb blonde in the room. And I can say that because I'm blonde. Cause <laughs> But honest to goodness, he just, oh, oh God funny. love him. He is going to be where, he's going to be that kid in college who's running around the campus in a toga. That's my dog. <laughs> he's actually the size of a college student also. So he is actually. actually so remember, so, yeah. super secret phrase, Fenny, don't eat the sock. <laughs> <laughs> and I am going to tell you after 
the interview, how you can email that to me and get yourself in on hopefully getting that free book. Um, so we're going to spend this last part talking about something very exciting that has been coming for a long time. I'm going to let you describe this new resource and it's a database. That's fair to say. Yes. 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 Database. I'm not good at these terms. It's a database and it's going to, I think, revolutionize the way hundreds, maybe thousands of teachers plan uh, for this. And Chris has been working her butt off. That's right. I said, but (laughs) she's been working her butt off or as part of the description might say, she has painstakingly analyzed this music, which is true. Would you tell us about this new resource and how it came to be and when we might be able to get our hands on it? It's all you. All right. Well, this has been, what, 10 years in the making? <laughs> yeah, it's been a lot of years. Maybe it's even been 12 years in the making. Uh, <laughs> I first was introduced to this idea of folk song analyzation when I took folk song research as part of my Kodai levels with Jeff Rohn at the Hart School. Kodai flex alert. (laughs) (laughs) So anyone who has ever taken folk song research, you know that you have to analyze like every folk song or every rhyme down to it's like the most minute part, right? For some of us, that's a turn on. (laughs) For some of us who love data and love little bits of information about pieces, it's really exciting work. And I've been doing this since that class. I've been adding to this repertoire list and analyzing folk songs and rhymes probably since 2008 when I started my Kodai levels. So actually, yeah, it's 12 years in the making. Wow. Yeah. So basically this database that will be uh, provided as a free resource from GIA Music. Thank you, Alec Harris. Hey. Yeah, hey. (laughs) This will be a free resource that will be housed on the GIA website. And currently, it contains all of the first steps in music repertoire. So, We're talking about the Green Book. We're talking about the Global Music Book. I analyzed that. The really revised Green Book, too. Yes, I should say that. Yes. And all of the newly revised Book Ofs. They were recently uh, revised this summer. And so I was lucky enough to get some preview copies of those and worked with Alec Harris and Brian Gibson over at GIA to help do some of the editing of them to make sure we caught all of the little things. Thank you. Uh, to correct some things. So there was removal of repertoire. There was a we, repertoire was added. So these books are amazing now. I have to say hmm. they are just such a wait. great, great resource. So basically getting back to this database, <laughs> There are several different columns of information. So, for example, if I'm looking at the song Closet Key, I would see the title. I would see the printed source where I could find that piece. Okay. If there's a recording of that piece, there's a column that tells you where you can find the recording. Wow. 
It tells you the genre. Is it a simple song? Uh, it's broken down into the different eight, eight parts of the workouts, right? Right. If it's from a different country, it'll tell you what country it comes from. Awesome. It'll tell you the subject. So if you want to do a search by keys or do you want to do a search by cobblers or do you want to do a search by balloons, you could search by any basically subject out there. Right. Then there are additional columns that uh, where you could find, for example, does this song fit into a particular rhythm unit in conversational solfege? Does it fit into a particular unit of the tonal units of conversational solfege? That's amazing. It will tell you what scale it is, what the tonal center is, what the tone set is. Wow. And also, if it has any DEIA information or notes you should know about the song. So that column will be ever-changing and ever-morphing as we learn more about folk songs and the history about certain folk songs, we can denote that information in that column. And the best and part so about this... Wait, that's diversity, equity, inclusion, and access? Accessibility, access, yes. Accessibility, okay. So D-E-I-A. D-E-I-A, D-E-I-A, yes. yes. I just want to make sure everybody knew what that meant. Yes, thank you. And the best part about it is that this will be customizable. Wow. So let's say you want to use certain songs. Well, you can add information to the notes section or you can add columns Ooh. to say, I want to teach this song in this grade. So you can add a column and then you'd be able to sort by all of the songs that you use in second grade or all of the songs wow. you use in this particular grade. If you want to sort by subject, you could do that. If you want to sort by uh, rhythm unit, you could do that. Hmm. So let's say, for wow. example, you're plotting out the repertoire that you want to use in unit one, right? Okay. But you want to preload some of that repertoire in kindergarten and first grade. Well, right. this document will help you plan out, you know, I have to save this song to be unfamiliar, so I don't want to use this song in so kindergarten or first grade. So don't teach this song, right. Exactly. So you can, uh, you can sort them by grade, by subject, by rhythm unit, by tonal unit. It's, it's just a very user-friendly database that is going to be customizable, and it will really help teachers with lesson planning. So when you say customizable, you don't mean it's like when you go to the, you know, source document, you're not able to change that source document. You, you mean you like download it and you, this is like technology, so I don't know how to say it. So you will be say able to so say you, it to me Missy like I'm strong. <laughs> okay. I'm Missy Strong. I do know that. <laughs> you, Missy Strong, would be able to download a copy for you. Yes. And then you would house that on wherever you put your documents, your spreadsheets. Right. And then you would be able to edit your personal copy of it. So right. basically all of the analyzation has been done for you. And here's the best thing. If you don't agree with the way that I analyzed it, you can change it. <laughs> right. So you're, because at first I thought you were saying it's like Wikipedia. Like I can go on there, you know, and change the source document. 
Um, you know, like people do when we share out documents and they forget to make a copy and they change the source document. But you're saying, no, it's download a copy for yourself and go to it. And go to it. And like I said, as we learn more information about folk songs, we can, I can personally go in and change the source document and then you right. would have access to that information. Sure. As it changes. Yes. Um, and you have been working on this. I, I mean, you have been working on this for many years, as you said. Um, I always tell the story that when you called me to come hang out with you for the first time, which is five years ago, I think, a little more now, I had a note from John Firebin that said, Missy, please speak to Chris about <laughs> database. And I had no idea what it meant, but as I was prone to do, I just did what he said. <laughs> and I was like, Chris, I don't know what this means, but I am supposed to encourage you to work on this amazing thing that Dr. Firebin is telling me must be introduced to the world. And you looked so overwhelmed when I said, <laughs> you had that look like, I know, I know, I know. And I had it. It's still on my to-do list. It's the last thing that I have on my, this one specific list of like things for the future, right? So when can I cross this off my list? When is this coming out ish? Ish, it is coming out in just a few short weeks. I just got confirmation from Alec Harris that the book ofs are actually being printed at GIA, the newly revised book of nice, and they will be available in just a few weeks. And when they are premiered, or I, how how would you? Is it premiered or I guess re debut? I don't know. Re debuted, whatever. Um, no, well, you like debut the new edition. Debut that when that happens. <laughs> when yes. that happens, the database will go live on the GIA website. And it will be there for anybody who is interested in it. So for any of you data nerds, it will be That there. is not me, but that is you. I'm here to support you in your nerdiness when it comes to this. And then I will be um, on FaceTime being like, can you please tell me how to use this? <laughs> and I do have then, to <laughs> Go ahead. Go ahead. Sorry. I know. I, I do have to give a big shout out to uh, John Firebin because over the summer – we spent a lot of quality time together because there were many questions I had about <laughs> how do I analyze this particular song and this particular scale? And he would just right. help me figure out, is this Mixolydian? Is, where is the resting tone of this song? Sure, sure. So he and I, it was for a few weeks there, it was almost every day that we were meeting. Yeah, so, I bet. There were lots well, that's of great. I time. mean, then we know it's vetted, um, you know, kind of quality control has been done on it. And it sounds like such a fantastic thing. And let's say it's coming out fall. That's what we can say. Fall. That's great. Fall of 2020. Yeah. That's one of four good things that happened in 2020. <laughs> so... 
let's look forward to everything crashing and it not being available. I'm just preparing you. I'm, I'm not saying that's going to happen. It's bound to happen, folks. <laughs> like, you know, it'll be like, oh, the whole thing is suddenly in French. Like, we don't know why and we cannot get it to not be in French. But the French teachers are happy. Or everybody's editing my copy of it. <laughs> right, exactly. You know it's going to tank. Chris, I'm just preparing you for <laughs> We are going to get 2020 again yes. by this. But maybe not. Maybe this will fall into the four good things that happened in 2020 category. And I I'm, certainly I'm pulling so. for you. I'm pulling for you. <laughs> I want I this to be up so. there. <laughs> And, and here's um, the here's the best part. This is just the beginning, right? So this has all of the first steps materials. And yes, while it's just the first steps materials, I did analyze it to see which songs fit into rhythm and tonal units. So it does have a conversational solfege component to it. But it is my mm -hmm. hope that in the future, I'll be able to add book one, book two, book three, and who knows what else is coming, maybe a possible book four <laughs> of conversational solfege. Yeah. Right. So hopefully we'll be able to include that repertoire as well. So it will be one master fire and repertoire <laughs> database. To rule them all. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Exactly. <laughs> it's late at night. So if I'm understanding it correctly, another amazing thing that can happen is that as we find more authentic repertoire from other cultures and from our culture, if we find it and, you know, whatever, it can be put into this document. Is that correct? 100%. That's the greatest part about this is that this document will become yours. So mm -hmm. you can customize it any way that you like, much like how Dr. Feyerabend created the conversational solfege books to be binders. Binders. So that right. if you found a piece of repertoire, for example, I use a uh, bate bate chocolate in for unit one. Right. It doesn't happen to be in unit one right now. So I photocopied right. it and I stuck it right in there. And then you could add that to your database. You could add all the fields in and you could customize it to add repertoire that are your tried and true pieces as well. So you don't lose those and you can see where they fit into this particular rhythm unit or this particular tonal unit. And if they don't, maybe they fit into uh, the circle game category, or maybe it's right. a song tale. Sure. So it's a way of organizing your materials in one spot. So it's great that once I, Missy Strong, have downloaded my copy named Missy Strong's copy of this database, um, I can add other pieces of repertoire to it that I find that fits into, for example, unit three of conversational solfege. Just like, as you're saying, the, you know, the binder is a physical binder. It's like putting it all there in one place. And the more I think about this, just the more amazing it is. And thank you to you for sharing years of work. Thank you to Alec Harris at GIA for his continuous willingness to forward this important work of Dr. Feyerabend's and, and his love for music education. Thank you to Brian Gibson, who's my favorite editor. 
whip smart, thoughtful, hardworking. And Tom Hawley, I don't know if you did anything, but thank you just for being Tom Hawley at GIA. Also, have we mentioned the fact that we are not naming? We have not named this resource in this podcast. Is that because we do not yet have the official name of it? That's a really good question. I think we're tossing around a few ideas, but okay. for, yes. for, for all intents and purposes, we'll call it the Feyerabend Repertoire Database. I mean, it seems pretty cut and dry. It does. Yeah. But if you come, if you come up with something snazzier, well, we won't hold it against you, but for, we'll just call it that for now. Anything else you want to share about that or have we covered it all? I just want to reiterate what a joy it was to work on this. And I felt such support from Alec and John and Brian. And it was a real treat to have something to focus on during the summer. <laughs> because yeah. even though I did focus a lot on baseball this summer with my son, <laughs> uh, really what else was there to do, folks? Not a whole yeah. lot. So I felt like this gave me a little bit of purpose to really... No, it absolutely did. To fine-tune it after all the years of work, to really fine-tune it and make sure it was ready for everybody to use. And, and hopefully people will find it helpful, and hopefully I've saved some people years of work. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, not hopefully, for sure, um, this is going to do that. And I think that when you see Chris, you should send her very large um, thanks. And if you want to send a gift, maybe some headbands. Um, <laughs> no socks. <laughs> Please, I'm no I'm just socks. saying they might be running out of socks and headbands at her house. <laughs> if Maybe some aluminum foil, some baseballs. Some baseballs made of aluminum foil wrapped in a sock. How about vet insurance? I'll take that. <laughs> Actually... I'm going to do a GoFundMe (laughs) for the Fenny Powers Veterinarian Fund that will for sure become necessary um, every month in the Powers home. Okay, so I do have to tell everybody a really funny story. The emergency vet that we go to is Cornell. (laughs) And my goal, because I've pretty much spent a college tuition on this dog, (laughs) is to buy him a little sweatshirt that says Cornell grad. (laughs) And he and Andy can talk about how they went went to Cornell. Maybe you've heard of it. (laughs) Maybe you've heard of it. I love that. (laughs) If we had the bobblehead, he'd eat it, so. Yes, exactly. I don't want to see that coming out the other end, if you know what I'm talking about. (laughs) Anyway, Chris... I love you. I love you. Thank you. You're the best. Uh, it's not a cruise ship. It's not. We're staying away from cruise ships for a little while, maybe. Sergey. In the future. <laughs> yeah. Oh, the fire cruise. Oh, uh, never cruise. forget. Never forget. Hopefully we'll be, we'll just make up some other vacation that we can all go on together. The fire nerds all together. I love it. But until that time, we have the database to look forward to. Uh, thank you for all this work and thank you for sharing it with us. I can't wait to see it. Uh, I fully intend to 
uh, bully someone into giving me an advanced copy so I can see it and not know how to use it because I'm bad at that stuff. But I will be impressed with it no matter what. Thank you. And I know people are going to fall all over themselves for this. And well, they should. And thanks for having me, my dear. Well, I wouldn't have it any other way. And on the first episode of the third season. (gasps) It's kind of crazy. So, for all you Gold Star students out there who heard the code, email it to me at tunefulbeatfulartfulpodcast at gmail.com. Don't forget to include your name. And you will be entered into a drawing for a free copy of Karen Howard's First Steps in Global Music book, courtesy of GIA Publications. If you subscribe to the podcast and or rate us on your favorite place for podcasts and send me a screenshot, I'm going to put your name in again. The winner of this free book will be drawn in our next episode, which I'm thrilled to say will feature the author herself, Karen Howard. Karen is going to come on and talk about the work she is doing as well as a new resource series from GIA called World Music Initiative, of which she is the editor. Until then, keep pushing forward, but not so hard so you don't go over the edge, and do everything you can to create a more tuneful, beatful, artful world. (laughs) ¶¶